Evening guys, welcome to another Wednesday midweek teaching. Today we're going to be continuing on in the Gospel of John and we're going to be in chapter 19 like we were last week. But before we go in, before we do a quick recap, we'll just pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you for your word. We pray that tonight as we go through it, that you would glorify your name in our lives, that you would glorify your name as uh, we read through it, that you'd speak to us by your Holy Spirit, whether it's uh, what you're having me say, or whether it's uh, just something that you want to draw out of us individually. And Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we got to a point where Pilate has been questioning Jesus. He is on trial before Pilate. And we talked a little bit about how Pilate is really compromising with the truth. He's compromising with justice for the sake of appeasing the masses, because he likes himself, he likes his position, and he doesn't like uh, having to basically choose between uh, honouring people or doing the right thing. So this week we're in verse 7 of chapter 19, which says, The Jewish leaders replied, By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into, his, into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greatest sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, if you release this man, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down in the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, Look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him, crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the leading priest shouted back. Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. At the beginning, they say something. They say, by our law, he ought to be killed. What, so what law are they talking about? They're basically talking about Leviticus, Leviticus 24, verse 16, which basically talks about stoning a blasphemer. So... Their initial appeal to Pilate was by Roman law, saying, ah, he's saying that he's the king of the Jews and he's completely wrong. So they basically change it from, oh, he's saying that he's a judge and that he's king and no one is king but Caesar, so try this man and execute him. And Pilate's like, I find him innocent. And so then they kind of change the charge. And instead of saying, oh, this man says that he's king of the Jews, that, you know, he, he, he's trying to equate himself with you, uh, you know, you can't have that. Instead, now they're kind of changing things and they're basically saying, you, you, can't, you can't judge properly anyway. This guy's saying that he's the son of God. So this is really our matter. And so he, he needs to die. You, and they're trying to basically take away any form of judgment that Pilate has because he's not agreeing with them and saying to themselves, look, listen, it doesn't matter anyway, he's broken our laws, so you should just kill him. Which, 
might I add, wasn't the prescribed killing, wasn't the prescribed punishment for blasphemy. It was stoning. It wasn't crucifixion. So they're actually already just going completely wrong. They've been wrong anyway, in so many ways. But in this area, they're further just going into this complete, what on earth? You guys just hate him. You guys aren't, there's no logic in this. So they're now appealing to Jewish law, which is the real reason they've kind of come at this. Because they're saying, fine, all right, look, here's the real reason. He's saying this, we don't like it. And that's part of the problem. It would get thrown out in a real court of law, but Pilate hears this charge, he hears what they're saying, and he's no longer seeing Jesus simply as a revolutionary. He's no longer seeing Jesus as, yeah, this is a guy who's really annoyed these people. But all of a sudden, something hits Pilate. Fear grips him. And he begins to wonder, who is this Jesus? That he's saying this, he's, so many different things are going on right now that I am not comfortable with. He's seeing him as a man with a claim that so far he hasn't proven wrong. And so he's frightened that Jesus is more than just a man. That he may have beaten someone who wasn't just any guy. That he might have beaten someone who he definitely should not have been beating. Jesus has proven himself different already. In Matthew 27 verse 19, Pilate is there when he's talking about Barabbas and his wife comes out. And it says in Matthew 27 verse 19, Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Pilate is connecting all of these different dots and he's realizing the possibility of it being true. So what does Pilate do when he notices there's an element of truth here? There's something that I need to investigate. He goes and he investigates. That's exactly what we should be doing. When God's word and his spirit speak into our lives, do we investigate that truth? Even if it is to our detriment, even if it means us having to change something, even if it means something drastic having to change in our lives, do we recognize that the truth has a higher importance than just what we want? You think about painful comments, things where you just feel like, that was really painful, why did you have to say that? Do we investigate that? Do we investigate what someone said, or do we just kind of ignore it, or even try and crush it, like the Pharisees, like the Jewish religious leaders are doing here, where they're just saying, crucify him, get rid of him, we don't want him, because he is offending us at every turn, every moment that he speaks truth. We don't like this. The flesh wants to ignore or crush the truth, to suppress it so that it can reign in our lives. But God wants us to humble ourselves so that he can reign in our lives. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That Psalm of David should be our prayer. That God would speak truth and that we would listen and be obedient to his truth. 
I've had people say stuff to me that I haven't agreed with, that was uncomfortable to hear, but I have to make the choice in those moments to listen and to pray to God about it. To say, thanks, I hear you, even though I might not agree with it. And to go and pray about it. To say, Lord, what this person said hurts and I don't initially agree with it, but what do you have to say about this? Am I being blind to something within me? That we would turn around and say, search me, O God. That he is the best person to search us. That he then reveals to us, actually, what that person said, even though you didn't agree with it. It's true. It's something that you need to take notice of. Oh, okay. Thanks, Lord. And then there are other times when, sure, it might be a comment from someone that when we bring it to the Lord, the Lord says, I want to encourage you that what they said wasn't true to this extent, but do watch out about this certain thing or whatever else it is. That the Lord will bring truth and comfort. He will bring strength and encouragement. It's good to investigate the truth, no matter how painful it might be in our lives. And Pilate investigates. He notices that there's an element of truth, and so he goes to investigate. So he asks Jesus a question, a poignant question, which is his origin. Where do you come from? Which he really has already known about this. He's already had a little bit of a hint in John 18, where Jesus says that he has a heavenly kingdom. So Pilate already really kind of knows, but he's, he's pushing it a little bit. He's like, I kind of know, but I, I just, you know, tell, tell me again. Tell me, because I'm finding this difficult to just, you're saying something and they're saying something else and I'm really struggling with this. Just tell me right now, Jesus, where do you come from? Jesus has already told him. Jesus's origin is already clear, but Pilate's just trying to ask him again. He's not accepting it the first time around. And it's a question for us even, when the Lord speaks truth into our lives, do we ask God to speak more and more? Do we ask for him to speak more than once before we're obedient when we really already know the truth and we should simply just be obedient to that? Pilate is further then mystified by Jesus' lack of fear over his authority. He's like, do you not understand what I can do to you? Jesus responds in truth and he just cuts straight to the heart of Pilate and cuts right to the heart of the matter in, in question. He answers Pilate's question in the process of this as well, but basically he just says, God is in control. You may think you have authority here, but whatever authority that you have by the Roman government is only allowed by God himself. So am I scared? No. That's basically Jesus' answer to him. He also says, really, that Pilate is in the wrong. He doesn't, when he says uh, in verse 11, Jesus says, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greatest sin. You notice he, he says, has the greatest sin. That he doesn't say, Pilate, you're not in the wrong here. But actually, he basically puts it like, Pilate, you're in the wrong. The guys handing me over to you are in the greatest sin here. They know the truth, and they're choosing to ignore it. They're choosing 
to not just simply ignore it, but they are choosing to try and crush the truth. They're leading other people astray in the process as well. The leaders had more truth. They had all the evidence shown to them throughout all the years of Jesus's ministry. They taught others in the wrong by saying, hey, everybody else, Jesus is wrong, and that they're leading people away from the truth. The fact is, the more truth that we have, the more evidence that we have, the more truth that's been revealed to us, doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be more obedient to it. Because the choice is up to us as to whether we are obedient. But the truth that is revealed to us does mean that we need to be obedient to the truth. And Pilate has had a certain amount of truth that's been revealed to him. But the Jewish religious leaders, they had a whole wealth of truth that had been revealed to them. And it's important for us that we be obedient to what we already know. That if the Jewish religious leaders had taken the small truths that they'd got initially and been obedient to them, it would have made those later steps of obedience a lot easier for them. But now they've got this whole hurdle in front of them. They've got, they're so entrenched in their sin, like we talked about last week, that they're blind to it. They are so deep in their sin. And Pilate, on the other hand, is getting these elements of truth and he's, he's wrestling with it. He's saying, I've got the world here saying one thing, I've got Jesus saying another. He's not trying to simply kill it like the Jewish religious leaders are doing. Pilate actually tries to release Jesus at this point. He tries to do the right thing, but then the people make another push to Pilate's love of his position and his life, where they're like, ah, oh, you're no friend of Caesar. Pilate tries to make a stand. He goes and sits in his judgment seat, like, hey, I am going to make an official stance on this. I'm going to go and say this man needs to be released. He goes to make this declaration. And it's a declaration that echoes prophecy and the words of John the Baptist. On the preparation of Passover, which is when this is happening, he says, Pilate says to the people, behold your king, basically. He says, look, here is your king. And it resonates what John the Baptist said when he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The people are beholding, whether they choose to acknowledge or not, the ultimate sacrificial lamb, beaten before their eyes, and they are crying out for him to be crucified. They are beholding the ultimate sacrificial lamb before his slaughter, who is without spot or blemish, who is without any sin at all, and the people cry for him to be crucified. Then Pilate makes one last defense before then succumbing to the love of this world, the love of himself, the love of his own flesh. And he lets the people take the Lamb of God to be crucified. The problem is the people know the truth. Jewish religious leaders, they know the truth and they chose to try and get rid of it. Pilate knew the truth with actually less evidence, having received less truth in the process. He knew the truth, and he tried to obey the truth, but 
ultimately, he fell to the love of this world. Pilate didn't recognize the importance of heaven's word over the world's word. The importance of living for this world versus living for heaven, living for eternity. Because this world is passing, but eternity is for eternity. Eternity is forever. And Pilate's actions weren't just, you know, there and it's done. But his actions echo throughout all of eternity, not just his lifetime. He was concerned about how it would affect his life there and then, whether he was seen as a friend of Caesar, whether he was liked by the people, whether he was liked by Caesar himself. That's where his concerns were lying. But the reality is, is that his actions echo throughout all of eternity. We talk about this 2,000 years later. Pilate, his concerns were not in that. At the end of the day, his concerns were lying on how it would affect his life there and then. His actions ripple throughout all of eternity, and the reality is that our actions, whether good or bad, ripple throughout all of eternity as well. Not just the moment that we make our decision and how we see it affecting our lives right now. What we often struggle with is the benefits that last a moment versus the benefits that last forever. And we often don't take into account the benefits that last forever when we actually deny our flesh and we seek to live in a way that honors the Lord. That's the reality of choosing to live for this world versus living for God. We know how to live through reading God's word. We have the strength to live that out by his Holy Spirit, by him helping us, by him reminding us of the truth and strengthening us to walk that out in our lives. And the choice is ours. And it's a choice for us whether we ignore the truth, whether we try to do it in our own strength, or whether we actually say, Lord, I need your help. I want to walk in the right way. I want to have eternity stamped on my eyeballs that I see with every decision. Actually, right now I'm thinking in terms of how is this going to affect my life right now. But I need to be thinking not just five years time, ten years time. I need to be thinking completely in a different way. I need to be thinking of eternity. Lord, does this honor you? Lord, how will my actions affect eternity? How will my actions honor you or actually dishonor you? And so it's that that we need to take into account. How are we living our lives, not just in a matter of the day to day, but how are we living our lives in light of eternity? In light of our relationship with God. So we're going to end it there today. We're going to be uh, continuing on with uh, chapter 17, with verse 17 next week, but let's just pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you for your words. We thank you for your goodness and for your kindness towards us. We pray that you would help us to live um, with eternity's values in view of our lives, that we would look at uh, our decisions, our actions, and our day-to-day -day lives, and that we would seek to honor you um, knowing that even though it may be small sacrifices now, the benefits in eternity far outweigh any benefits that we could hope to achieve 
uh, by just going our own way. So Father, we pray that when you show us truth in our lives, that you would help us to walk in that truth. That you'd help us not to ignore it, not to try and suppress it, not to argue with it, but that we would receive that truth, that we would seek you in that truth, that we would investigate it, and that we would seek to live lives that honor you and glorify you, and that we would uh, that we would read your word, that we would seek to be obedient to it, and that we would seek to honor you with our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.